You are listening to the Scaling Culture Podcast, where we sit down with thought leaders who share their experiences building incredible workplace cultures. Holly Delaney is one of the best HR speakers in the world and has many years of experience in the world of human resources. She started her human resources career in 1996 and then led the Zappos human resources team for 15 years. Holly is a trailblazer in building HR departments that drive cultures that treat their employees as customers. She spearheaded things like the 30-day onboarding at Zappos for everyone from the front line to the CEO. Today, she talks to us about how to build relationships and trust, what makes Zappos onboarding unique and powerful, and what it means to coach someone how they want to be coached. Welcome to another episode of Scaling Culture Podcast. I'm Ron Lovett, your host, and I'm extremely excited to have Holly Delaney uh, join us today. Holly, welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. And look, I want to say, first and foremost, I've had the pleasure of getting to know you and building a relationship with you. And I, today I can call you a friend and a mentor. You've really had a huge impact with your counsel um, in things that we're, we're doing internally and for customers. So I want to thank you for that. Aww, well, thank you. <laughs> and, and Holly, I actually want to, I'm going to stay in that lane for a sec because you know, you know, we're writing a second book. It's uh, the Scaling Culture book, the How To, and we're shooting this masterclass. And I don't know if you remember. I vividly remember. I was driving. I was going to a speaking engagement in Ontario, and I was presenting on the phone with you the eight buckets of what we thought were were going to be key components of this masterclass. And I went through them and said, "Is there a gap? Is there? You know, we've got you know." building your core values, executing the core values, coaching, working as a team, change management, all these things. And, and you said, Ron, there's one thing missing here that seems obvious to me. And I said, what's that? And of course, we thought we were pretty smart and had it all covered. You said, building relationships. You can't do any of this if you don't have relationships. And we we're like, oh my God, you were so right. None of this stuff matters. If you don't have, and I spoke about you and this story last night, I was um, in front of some vets here in Halifax. If you don't have a relationship, you can't do any, like, it's very difficult to do anything. So talk to us more about that and, and how uh, we'll go, you know, you spent a lot of time at Zappos. How did, how did Zappos go about building relationships, strong ones? And then I've got some great stuff I want to ask you about. Sure. So um, first of all, the way I've always looked at it is when you're, when I look at my family or I look at my close friends, I have a relationship with them. It goes deeper than, you know, than just surface level. And I will do whatever I need to do for them. I'll work harder. I, I'm all in always in those situations. And so when I started at Zappos, especially because in the field of HR, a lot of people don't like HR, they're scared of HR, they see HR as a policy police, all of these different types of things. And Zappos was different and didn't want that. And I had to find a way to break in because they had a, they had a preconceived notion of what HR was. And the only Wait, thing- And I sorry, was the preconceived notion, the policy, the- Exactly. Okay, got it. Exactly. That's how they felt about it and they didn't want anything to do with it. And so I had to figure out how to break down those walls. And so the way I started to think about it was, okay, if they know me, if they understand me, if they know who I am, if they know I care about who they are, and if they know I'm invested not only in my job, but in 
more than the job, invested in them and what they're working on and those types of things, then that leads to a stronger bond. It leads to more trust. And then they'll be able to hear my advice versus just it coming from a desk of somebody that sits in HR upstairs and they don't want to hear it. So now they know I know them. They know me. They know my values. I know their values. I know what they're trying to accomplish. And it leads to a better conversation. And that's where I think relationships really play a vital role in anything because once that relationship is solidified, it takes it takes everything to a deeper level. And then you work harder, you play harder, you try harder to make sure that what you guys are trying to accomplish works. And you can have those harder conversations and leave the table not being enemies, but still being friends because you have that relationship. And how do you go about that? How, how do you, you know, <clears throat> I'm working with you and you want me to know that your intentions are to make me, you know, successful. How do you, how do you build that trust? How do you get me to understand that? How do you get there with someone? Sure. Um, I start with not talking about any of that stuff at all. I start with, Hey, let's go to lunch. Let me take, you right. To this lunch. isn't like, like, Hey Ron, you know, I'm going to make sure you trust me today. It's not. Like no, that. I would say, Hey Ron, I want to get to know you better. Let's go to lunch. And I would ask you questions about you. And I would answer questions you had about me. And I, I don't make it. I'm a very open person. So I, I'll be honest and answer any question that anybody has for me. Um, and so I like, like, it's not about work at that point. It's about getting to know each other. It's about getting to know who you are, getting, having you get to know who I am. And then after we do that a few times and we get to a comfortable place, then we can start talking about the other stuff. And then we bring in some work stuff. So it's, it's not a short-term process. It's going to take longer and it's for the long, for the bigger picture. Um, right. But it does, it does work. And a lot of times people from an HR seat, people come in and challenge you. I remember my first employee relations meeting at Zappos and a woman came in from our merchandising team and they just didn't like HR. They'd had bad experiences with HR. And I remember sitting down, she came in and she said, I'm letting this person go. I was told I have to let you know about it. I don't care what you have to say. I'm doing it anyway. And I think she expected me to fight back. She expected me to say, you can't do that. I need to know, blah, blah, and like exert authority. And at that point I was like, okay, it's your decision. I'm here to help you. If you want me to help you, if you want to talk through things, I'm here to give you advice if you want that advice. But if you have it covered, just let me know how you need my help. Because at that point in time, I wasn't going to change that outcome. And I knew if I pushed at that point of time, it was just going to reconfirm and make it harder for me to break down that wall. It was just going to right. build it stronger. And so at that point, I looked at, it didn't seem too risky what she was telling me. It wasn't worth fighting over. But, I mean, it wasn't this hugely risky situation. And so at that point, then I knew, hey, let's, let's have some more conversations. Let's talk. Let's, let me figure out who you are. And that woman today is one of my dearest friends. Like, we still talk. She left Zappos, I think, seven or eight years ago. And I just talked to her yesterday. <laughs> 
<laughs> like about, about things. Um, so, you know, it's about politics. Yeah, about politics. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, so it, it goes farther. And we had a guest on, uh, a guy named John DeJulius, who's really, you know, is great with customer service. And he was talking about, you know, the old viewpoint on building relationships was be a sponge, sponge everything up and, and, and take everything in. And he challenged that and said, but to really build a relationship, you need to be a springboard. And a springboard is more about, oh, tell me more. Why? Tell me more about that. So someone knows, yes, you, you know, Ron really listened to that. And he's curious about why I made the decision, what was next in the story. Does that make sense? It sounds like that's what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. In, in every situation, in every situation, if you're going to have a truly trusted relationship, both have to bring something to the table. It's not, it's not a one-sided thing. And I think for me, when you say springboard, like what, what can we both take from this and both feel fulfilled in that relationship, whether it be work, whether it be personal, whatever it is. And there's always things that I'll be better at than you. And you're going to be better at than me and things like that. And if you really take the time to have honest, honest conversations, and you really take the time to understand where the other person is and is coming from, both people will, will help each other move forward in that type of thing. And I think that's really important. Right. Uh, Oh, I want to talk to you about, you know, typically when people talk about Zappos, they talk about the onboarding and, you know, and for those who haven't heard it, could you just tell the story really quickly on what happens during onboarding at the end of onboarding for those who don't know what Zappos essentially does? Sure. So once, once you go through the recruiting process, um, which is extensive, uh, you get into what we call new hire training and new hire training is four weeks long and everybody goes through it. And it's a, it's four weeks of really getting, getting, to know Zappos, know the culture and understand how we, what we think of customer service. So everybody is trained to answer the phones regardless of position and everybody has, it goes through it and it's, they're treated the same. It doesn't matter if you're an executive or call center rep, everybody goes through the same process. And just on that note, that's very interesting because and to be crystal clear, everybody, part-time employee, CFO, does the same, is, it understands the values, goes through the same process, correct? Correct. Every single yeah, I, person. I, I think that's amazing. And every single person is held to the same standards. So just because you're the CFO doesn't mean you get to show up late to class. If you show up late to class, you have to start over like any other employee. If you decide you have more important things, you have to come to the next class. If you can't make it through the next class, start over and do it the right way, then you don't have a job. Like it's that important to us Love it. for every person to do it. But um, you get a really clear picture that it's an extension of our recruiting process and you get a really clear picture of who we are and what our culture is about. And once, once you get to the end of that training, we then offer you a month's salary to quit. And we do that because we want people to choose to be there. We want people to want to be there. And we want them to sit down and really make that choice because it, the money is less important to us than the the person really saying, this is a place I want to be. This is a place I want to work. Yeah. And I, 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 it, you know, when, when I think when I had heard the story, the Rizzi and back to like everybody, I didn't took every, I didn't take everybody as everybody. It really is everybody. I just think that 
That is so powerful. And that speaks to, you know, an equal culture, getting, you know, a sustainable culture where everyone is, is um, given the same information. We don't, we don't class people coming in. I, I love that. Was that always like that? Or did did they change to that? No, we were, we were always like that. And it was important to us that that, that was maintained throughout every area of the company. So at Zappos, not only was everybody going through the same process with new hire training and learning and growing, but we didn't have any different benefits for people. For example, there were no executive benefits versus employee benefits. Everybody received the same benefits. There was no reserved parking places for anybody. Like there was no reserved office. Actually, the only people that had offices in our building were our attorneys. Everybody else sat at cubicles, including Tony, including myself, everybody. We just, it. it was just a very, very flat culture because really the way we look at it is just because you're doing a certain job doesn't make you more important to the company than anybody else. Everybody in the company has an important job to move the company forward. And, you know, we look at our call center reps as the most important positions in the company because they're the ones that are gaining our customers' trust. They're the ones that are out there working day to day. And when you really do this training and you take those phone calls, you see how hard that job is. And you, you can be empathetic to that yes, person now and compassionate. Exactly. You don't really see that until you sit down and do that job. And we not only do that job during new hire training, we do it every year during our peak seasons, our busy seasons, where we take phone calls. Everybody in the company, we all take phone calls and we we get to help and we get to connect with the customer, which really renews our, it kind of just, it gives you time to renew within you what the company is about and understanding why you're there and why we're all here and what it's all about. And I think it's a really good process for everybody. Yeah, I, I love that. Uh, I'm going to go to coaching for a second because this also came up in a conversation with you, Holly, was, you know, I was really leaning towards, um, of course, I think coaching is very important in an organization. And I was leading, leaning towards a cadence of coaching. And I remember we talked about that and you said, you know, that's not what we do here at Zappos. It's about the individual and what they would like. And tell us more about that. Cause I thought that was eye opening, and it really changed right away. Boom. I had thrown that cadence out and really had conversations with people. Talk, talk to us more about that. Sure. Each individual, I mean, there's, to me, there's never a one size fits all program for anything um, because people aren't one size fits all. Each person has different things. Different things are good at, different things are bad at. Each person has a different way that they communicate and different way they like to be communicated to so they could really hear information. And I just believe it's very important. If I'm gonna, if I take a role as a coach, if I take a role as a manager, if I'm in a place where I'm coaching or mentoring people, it's my job to figure out who this person is and how to best communicate with them and how to best help them become their best possible selves. How and so, to- so how do you get there, Holly? Like I'm new. How do you figure out what that's going to look like? Again, it, it goes back to relationships. It starts with, let me sit down and talk to you. Let me right. not talk about work. Let me not in none of that, just what's important to you. And you can, you can 
see, you can start to feel how people communicate if you start just talking to them, talking to them about anything. You start to learn, you know, what the, what things they're excited and passionate about and what things they really don't like. And you can see that within the stuff that they talk about personally and everything else. And you can then start building your communication styles. You can start building those things around all of the things that work for them. And then it also gives you the opportunity to say, okay, this person has, I have a story for this. He's, it, it's a great example. So we hired a person in to be an employee relations specialist. And he looked great on paper. He got in and he was the worst employee relations person that I've ever seen. <laughs> like he was horrible at that job. But this person had so much potential to be, to do amazing things. And he was such a great culture fit. He was so passionate about his work. And it would have been easy for me to say, okay, he was just bad at employee relations. I'm just going to let him go. But there was, there was something there. And because I got to know him, because I spent more time than just looking at the work he was doing, because I saw these other things and because he, I started building that relationship and he trusted me. I was able to have the hard conversation around, listen, this isn't working for you. This is not going to be your path. From what I see, I have this job and it was in our like charity, charitable giving space. We needed to build that out. It was brand, uh, brand new for us at the time. And I said, this is going to feel like a step back when you start it, because it's, it's, it, it's like a few thousand dollars less in pay. It's going to feel like a step back. You're going to feel like, you know, all this stuff, but I need you to trust me because you are going to get in this job and you are going to rock this and it's going to blow up and you are going to go by taking two steps back right now, you're going to go 500 steps forward in the next two years. I know that because I can see this is the stuff that you do. And because I had spent that time with him and built that relationship and understood right. who he was and everything else. I was able to have that conversation. He moved into that position. And at the time he took that position, we had, we did like live strong and we had a bike in like a treadmill in an office that people would go and walk on. And then we give, give money to live strong. That was all we really did from that standpoint. He grew that to be Zappos for good. And you can go on and you can, you can go on the website and you can look at Zappos for good and you can see what he built. He built a huge arm of the company and he, he did, he went farther than he ever would have gone if he stayed in that employee relations job. Wow. But you know, to your point, if you didn't have the relationship, that's a very tough conversation that could be divisive. Yep. And he'd say, you know, look, thanks for your opinion. I don't really know you, but but I don't trust you. And so I don't trust your counsel here either, right? Exactly. So it all goes back in any of those situations, whether you're advising, anytime coaching, advising, mentoring, any of that type of stuff, you have to have a relationship and there has to be trust between the two parties. You can't right. go in and tell somebody what they need to do if you haven't taken the time to learn who that person is. Right. And I, I'm going to go back to coaching and, and your your point on, people um, learn differently and they need and, and not one size fits all. And I, I agree. And when you said that, I thought about some of my coaching conversations because in general, coaching is inbound or outbound, right? Uh -huh. Someone comes to you and says, hey, can you help coach me through this? Which is probably 5%, 10% of the time, even if you have trust because 
I have a blind spot. So if you're my manager leader, you see it, I don't. So you come and it's, it's really outbound coaching. You know, you're coming to talk to me about this. But when I, when you said that, and I thought back to my cadence, okay, Holly, welcome to the company. We're going to sit down every two weeks for a coaching session. Sometimes I didn't have anything for you. And it was like this awkward, okay, do you have anything for me? I don't have anything for you. Okay, let's move on. It just was a time suck for both of us. Uh, and it was uncomfortable. And, and really, you know, during that conversation, when you said, look, some employees and coworkers will say, you know, because I believe you said that that is captured during the relationship soon on or at the early stages. So someone say, look, I just want to know that I can come to you. And if you see something, please come to me. Uh, somebody else might say, look, once a month, I'd really like to sit down with you. So they built the play, right? Yes, exactly. Because I, and I just look at this, I'm a person, I need every once in a while to, for whoever I'm working for or working with to say, yes, we're on the right track. I'm a person though, that I don't want a bunch of interference. I want you to get out of my way so I can do what I need to do. And you can course correct. If you think I'm going in the wrong direction, we can have those conversations. That's how I am. But I've had other employees and I've had employees that are like that. And they, they just want to know they can come to me if they have questions. They don't want to schedule time. They don't want any of that type of stuff. And so I reach out to them. If I have concerns, they reach out to me if they have concerns or questions. And that's how that relationship is. And then I've had other people that need that every two weeks or every month conversation because they need the, I'm on the right track. I know I'm doing what I need to do. And that's the best way they get their work done. And so I've had both and I've always let whoever I'm working with determine how much, how much or how little access or how they, how they want to use that access. That's up to them. And so I let them figure that piece out of what works best for them. And then I make sure I'm available. So it's autonomy from day one. Like you're not taking autonomy away from them. You're no. giving them the choice. I, I love that. Um, one time we had a conversation about change management. I don't remember this. And two things just stuck out in that conversation because that's really tough, right? So let's assume even if you have built great trust, which obviously you guys have done, change management can still be difficult. There's this yes. whole process behind it. And you and I were having a conversation and you said two things that I'd love you to elaborate on, but you said, I get down to people's level. If, if there's big change coming and obviously you, it sounded like you were talking about a, a difficult situation that you came right down to their level. It wasn't this command control. I'm above you as a leader and, and you're below me. So I wanted you to talk about that. And the second piece was, and I love this, Holly, you mentioned that you started off that conversation, a difficult conversation by saying what your fears were. Yep. Tell us more. Yeah. So, and, and again, this is just, I think about how, cause everybody fears change. I, I'm a person that I don't, I like change and I still fear it. Like there's always anxiety when change comes, even if you're the best at taking on new situations, there's still anxiety. And one thing for me that always works is like, I never, I always feel better when I know I'm not alone and everybody feels the same way. And I was just having a conversation yesterday, actually last night with a girl that I work with and, you know, we're going through a lot of change right now. And she was talking about what her next steps would be and what she should do. 
And she always looked at me as like, I was fearless. Like I had no fears. I was fearless and I can take another job and I can go do whatever and everything will be fine. And I'm the most, you know, I'm the most this and the most that, and I never fear anything. And I'm like, you are so wrong. Like I am petrified. I am petrified I'm not going to be enough. I'm petrified I'm not going to live up to expectations. I'm petrified that I'll get into a new job or I'll get into a new situation and I won't know what to do and I'll mess it all up and people will see that I'm a fraud and, you know, like all of these things that that you tell yourself, right? Yeah, we storytell. Yeah. We tell these incredible stories, yeah. Exactly. And like having that conversation, just having that conversation with her at the end, she just said, thank you so much for telling me that because it helps me. It makes me feel better that, that you, who I think is not scared of anything, has real fears and concerns that are the same as mine. You're and human. I think it's really important, especially when you go into anything, any big change, any change at all. Number one if you're, if you're the leader in that situation that they know that, you know, it's not all worked out. I'm scared too. I'm scared for these things. We can talk about those things. Those things aren't off the table because one of the things I think people miss in a change process is for people to really get to change faster. They have to question, they have to vent, they have to doubt, they have to do those things because that's how they That's how they process it in their minds. That's how people work. And to put them in a situation where they're not allowed to do those things and they're just expected to say, hey, yes, that's great. They're just going to go do all that over here, which then becomes toxic. And you don't have open conversations and you can't correct misinformation and you can't talk about the stuff that we don't know about and you can't help calm fears that might be irrational and things like that, because all of those things play out in a change process. So they have to know, number one, that, you know, they're not alone. And they have to know, number two, they have safe places to talk about things and ask their questions. And I always give people, I always say, listen, okay, we're going to have to do this change. I'm going to have a series of meetings and nothing's off the table. You're not going to get in trouble for anything you ask me. You're not going to get in trouble for anything you vent about. Like nothing's off the table. You can ask and we can talk about it. And I'll tell you what I see and what I think. And I don't know. I'll tell you if I know it's going to turn out that way or not. I'll be completely honest with you. You be completely honest with me. And Holly, when you said safe places, you're referring to safe people. Yes. People I feel safe with. Safe right? place yeah. where I can come in and I can feel safe that I can say, Ron, I think this change is crap. This is the reason why I, I'm scared for my family. I'm scared for this. I'm scared for that. How can you guarantee that I'm going to have a job and blah, blah, blah. And that they're not going to suffer repercussions for being honest with that. Yeah. And Those you know, I don't know if you ever um, read that five dysfunctions of a team, but one of those dysfunctions is if we don't feel safe, then we can't be vulnerable and say what's on our mind. If we can't do that, we can't have debate, which is what you're talking about. If we can't debate or have healthy conflict, then there's going to be a lack of commitment. Yep. You can't commit if we haven't had debate. Then I, you and I have a conversation. I go to my spouse and I tell her I don't agree with you. And it was horrible conversation versus having it in real time. Saying, look, I just don't agree with that point. Let's hash it out. Well, exactly. And you have to give the person time to make their own decision about whatever change that they're in, right? So 
in any situation, whether it be advice, coaching, change management, doing that type of stuff, a person has to get comfortable with what's going on and they have to make their own decision. You can't make their decision for them. You got to give them that space to do that. And if you're in the middle of a change and you allow people to take the time and the space to make the decisions on how they're going to move forward towards those things themselves, you're going to get better buy-in than me just telling you to do it. Right, right. And I want to talk about this because um, I, I think that this is a, a, a interesting and challenging thing for a lot of folks that have, I'll call it a senior HR role that's connected to a founder, CEO, president. And, and it's got to be critically important to the business strategy. But if, if, you know, if Tony at Zappo says, look, from a business strategy standpoint, here's what we're going to do. How do you, you know, because you have to execute the people to align with that strategy. What's that look like? So a lot of the times if you work with a CEO like Tony, who is this extraordinary visionary, and is somebody who doesn't want to be in the details of the day-to-day or be in the weeds. He just wants it to happen. He just wants to get to his vision. You have to be able to, you have to be able to talk to him about, talk to him honestly about how the path is going to work. And you have so the different to, impacts too, by the way. Yeah, so it's different like well, impacts okay. along the way. Um And you have to be okay with taking, like forging your own path and your own plan. Because the, what I did with Tony is, okay, this is the end result that you want. Here it is. You gave that to me. Now you need to leave me alone while I get you here. You Mm, can't stay out of my way. You can't come in and start messing with what I'm doing. I will get here. And again, this goes back to relationships. I had to have a strong relationship with Tony. You know, I'll get you here. You've got to trust that I'll get you here, but you got to, you have to stay out of my way while I do it because you coming in and messing with the process is only going to make it harder and extend the length of time that it's going to take. Mm. Get there. And in each area has to have that same process in the ways that their area works. So the way I do something with a group of HR professionals is going to be completely different than what a way a CTO does something with a group of, you know, an engineers. It's going to be completely different because they're completely different people. And the way they look at things are different and the way they operate day to day are different. And so there is not this guide to say this is going to help everybody get here the person that is leading that has to critically think and look at the relationships and the people on their team and say, what is the best way to get this end result? And then be able to stand up and say, no, I get that you want X, Y, and Z right now. I can't give you X, Y, and Z right now. I can give you X right now. And I'll get to Y and Z in a minute and you got to back off and let me have that space to do that or we're not going to get to the end result. And you have to be able to have those hard conversations with your CEO. You have to be able to take stands where you think it's going to harm the process of you getting to the end result. And you have to be still bought into the vision. You're still aligned with the vision. Exactly. Still aligned with the vision. And you have to, and you have to be able to work with people to get them comfortable with the change. So we had one of these at Zappos recently. So Tony Tony had a concept called market-based dynamics. 
And he wanted all employees to think more entrepreneurially. He wanted employees to form circles. He wanted to kind of recreate organizational design. He wanted, he wanted areas like HR who were traditionally cost centers to become profit centers. He wanted them to think about what else could they do outside of their day-to-day work in HR that could be a new line of business for Zappos. Like and he sorry, wanted, outside of the company too. It didn't yes. have to be within Zappos, right? Yeah. Yes, outside of the company too. And so he had this big vision and I had to sit down with him and say, number one, you got to help me understand. I have to understand this first before I can do this. I've never been an entrepreneur. I'm an HR professional. I That's what I've known my whole life. So I have to understand what you're talking about if you want me to help facilitate this to happen. And then if you want me to help facilitate it to happen, you got to give me the space to do it in the way I know this group of people that I'm working with can do this. And you can't add overly complex things because you're trying to solve for a bigger picture. You have to let us, you have to let us start organically growing what this looks like. And it was, it was a very difficult process, but I was able to get people to where he wanted them to be. So I, I actually kept him out of it for a very long time. He didn't really know overall. I gave him high level stuff that we were doing and when we had our successes and things like that, but he didn't have like a real clear picture of what was happening. And then we did a demo day of all the areas and the stuff that we worked on and we presented to him each one of the areas. And then he could really see because if I, if I did it too soon, he would have started tearing it apart and all those people would feel deflated and then I'd have to start over again. So I had to get them to the place. Then I presented it and he's like, oh my God, you did it. I'm like, yes, but that's why you had to give me space. So what if, what if at the beginning you don't agree with the vision? Is that kind of a parting ways time or, you know, cause that's tough if you don't, if you you know, so, it sounds like you guys were able to connect, but yeah, I think that is dependent on, on what the vision is and how opposed you are. So there is, so for me, if it's something, you know, I don't understand how financially you're going to make that work. Like that doesn't make sense to me. Um, and he's like, that's why we have finance and that's what I'm working over here and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, like, that's not really my thing. So, you know. That I can be like, okay, I still don't, that doesn't seem like real math to me, but whatever. <laughs> like, you right. know, that's, that's up to you guys. Um, that's something that from my position at the time in the company, I wasn't, I disagreed with some things, but I was okay with that type of stuff. If it was something that really hit my core belief system, it was something right. I really disagreed with in my core belief system at that time, then the way I look at it is I'm an adult and I have a choice to make. Am I going to compromise my, my personal core values and my personal beliefs and do this? Or am I going to take a stand and fight against it? And if I can't fight against it and that's just what the company's doing, then I have a choice to make to decide I got to leave and do something else. So that, that to me is where adult time comes in and I have to be an adult and make my decisions. Yeah. And I think that that's a really smart, reflective thing because otherwise you move very quickly. You don't reflect and really connect it to your own vision, your own values and beliefs. And then you're in there, you're, you're disconnected. It's yeah. not going to work anyways. You're going to fight tooth and nail and you don't know why. So yeah. I love this taking a minute to say, Oh, let me think about this for a second. Am I connected with that? Do my beliefs align with that? My own personal values. That, that is great. And Holly, you know, Zappos, 
is in a very challenging space, you know, with call centers and, you know, worked so hard on culture as part of their key strategy, but talk us for those who, who still may dis, not believe in this, what were the results of all this, you know, from turnover, what other key things, you know, from the, the skeptic who's listening say, Oh, come on. Okay, fine. But what do you get out of all that? So can you talk to us about a few of those sure. things? Um, so when I started at Zappos, we were small, nobody knew us or her, who we were. Um, I think we had 300 total employees at the time. And there was this commitment to customer service and this commitment to people that was unlike any other place that I had ever seen. And, you know, people oftentimes look at Zappos like you guys just play a lot and you can't possibly get any work done. I don't understand how you make money. I hear that all the time. And um, to really be committed to people and to really follow through with that, it's harder than any other job that I've ever had. It's much more rewarding, but definitely harder because you have to work harder. You have to do things differently. There's not, like I said, it's not a one size fits all. You have to take the time to learn. You have to take the time to connect with people. You have to, you have to look at it from an, if I'm talking from an HR lens, you have to look at it from an HR lens and say, okay, this hits all the boxes from an HR lens. Now I got to do it again. And I have to do it in a way that'll connect with the people at Zappos. So it's not just one time, it's two times, it's three times. And so there's a lot of work and a lot of people say, oh, that's wasted energy, that's wasted time. And it's not efficient. But the result of doing all of that is less turnover. In a call center environment, our turnover is like 18%. Which Yeah, and, is, and what's the industry, Holly? What does the industry look the like? The industry can be above... 75 to 100 percent yeah 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 and higher yeah and higher sometimes um we give them enough autonomy and enough ability to not only work not only connect with customers so we're not making them use scripts we're not doing that type of stuff we give them the ability to connect with customers as well as help themselves grow personally and professionally so we give them time away from the phones to do that which not a lot of companies do and again in the short term, yeah, it seems like it hits the books in a bad way, but in the long term, it creates loyal employees. Our retention rate in the company is almost six years. Wow, for a call company. center. Yeah, and for a call center and for a call center environment, so mm. it's it's crazy. Like it's things that most, uh, on average, most companies' retentions rate are two and three years. We're we're almost to six. So. Wow. Like you can see it in the stuff that it pays off. Yeah, six years. That's incredible. It really is for that space. And the, the, there is a huge financial impact, a customer impact, financial impact. I mean, it's just, you know, it, it, it would even be hard to calculate that in some cases. Yeah. Uh, Holly, anything else we didn't talk about? Anything else that you wanted to discuss today? No, just that I'm I'm going through change myself right now, and I just want to really want everybody out there to know that there's so many different paths to do things, and you know don't don't get sidetracked or pigeonholed because of fear or something else. Like, you know, we have an opportunity to do great things, and so 
I just want everybody to take some time to think about that and think about what they really want to do to make a difference. Great closing comment. Holly, thank you again. It's lovely to see you. Uh, I've got some things that I wrote down today that uh, I always get gold when we talk. And so I thank you again. I appreciate it. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you soon. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. For more information on Holly Delaney or anything else related to scaling culture, please see the show description for details. We'll be back in 2021 with another incredible guest. Have a happy holidays and a happy new year.